I said something very similar in college about Seinfeld. And what I said, though, was that everyone wants to be. I mean, I think I tweeted this recently as well. Like everyone wants to be Jerry, but we're all George inside. And I think the yeah. same thing. I wanted for, to be George. You I wanted George. to be George. I, he was such a mood. Oh, my God. I was like, this man, this angry little man is everything I am. The little dash of Elaine. She's petty as well. Yeah, she's very petty. But I, as much as I hate it, think I am more Pierce than I am Jeff. And I am more Abed than I am Troy. Really? Sense. Yeah. yeah. Explain. Yeah. I, I think like there are times where I'm so in my head and so about logic and stuff like that, that I can be incredibly emotionally detached. And I think I just see myself becoming the dad out of touch so rapidly. Like I, I feel it right now. Like I I'm out on TikTok. I watch them and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't get it. And I watch like Vine compilations a lot on YouTube. It's one of my favorite things to do when I get really high. And I'll just like watch those and be like, this is the good stuff. But that TikTok, that's rotten. And I'm like, oh my God. You know what I mean? And I love college basketball. I love like, I'm feeling myself turn into an old man. It's so funny that you said you were kind of like pierced because I feel like that's a very introspective way to look at things because I feel like I'm often most like the character that I don't like. Oh no. Because I see so much of myself in them. Mm -hmm. So like, but I don't think I'm pierced. Let me just, let me just preface it. I don't think I'm pierced. I, I feel like I'm actually this combination of like Britta and Abed. And I, I love season one Britta. Yes. And then they really took off on Britta's character and just continuously made her worse and worse. And I'm like, listen, I actually really like Britta and I think I'm like Britta the most. Yeah. But I'm also Abed because I feel like I need the frameworks of TV and movies to understand like the schism of life. Like I feel like I need that template there for me to sort of make sense of everything, especially recently. I feel like I need it to like ground me. Even though it's very ungrounding to speed that into TV and movies. Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, I love those characters. Um, well, uh, speaking of loving these characters, you're about to love the character the character of uh, our guests <laughs> and Boney there uh, on this episode. Click flawless. <laughs> Flawless. Flawless. Just so good. Just excellent. Wow. Welcome to I've Been Meaning to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. Wow. It's a, we, we got, we got some uh, fun. I don't know how to do like the part where I'm talking on my own, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to like do that part. Uh, so I'm just going to start by introducing my <laughs> guest co-host. Uh, she's a writer. She's uh, a new friend. Uh, it's Alicia Parikh, everybody. Yay! Oh 
Hey. Thank you, studio audience, for having me. Welcome to the show. Um, you know, we met through Second City. We did. Yeah, and like we met during like writing. And I just think really quickly, before we introduce our main guest, uh, I just think you're uh, just such a great writer. You're such a like wonderful, sweet person. And uh, I, I just like, I just like, um, yeah, I know you're going to do great things. And also, um, we've no- we haven't known each other for that long, but like, um, it's like a really cool thing to, I invite you because I knew you would be good at this. I knew you would be like a really nice fit for this guest hosting, you know, episode. So just uh, quickly tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what's uh, your deal? What's what's your deal? This is, said, <laughs> this is why I said yes. Andrew's one of the nicest people I know. Oh. <laughs> Very sweet and wholesome. Mm. Thank you for that lovely intro, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I'm Alicia. Sometimes I write. Sometimes I do stand up over Zoom because we're in quarantine right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm starting my own podcast because Andrew's an inspiration oh, wow. to everyone and oh, to wow. all. Yes. Yeah. So it's called Bad Adaptations. Um, me and three other friends, we review Bollywood adaptations of Hollywood movies. Oh, and most of them are pretty bad. <laughs> it's a time. Like what? Like what's an example of like you know a Bollywood adaptation of like a Hollywood movie? So it's funny. We actually just reviewed a movie, um, an adaptation of She's the Man, the seminal masterpiece with Amanda Bynes. Uh-huh. They made a Bollywood version of it called Dilbore Haripta or whatever. Anyway, it's got two really big actors in it, and she's trying to play cricket on the boys' team. <laughs> it it it. Sounds great. It, it was a time. The songs were good, but it was songs. There were songs. Every Bollywood movie. You ever seen songs. a Bollywood movie? I'm sorry, I, I, I'm still not supposed to be talking. I, I, but you said Edgar seen a knows what's movie? up. <laughs> Edgar knows what's up. You gotta have a song. That's the whole point. I, the soundtrack is where it's at. That's, that's why I'm watching. That's yeah. yeah. Like so, if you wanted like a little introduction to that world of Bollywood and like having like a primer and like having three or four trustworthy pals to lead you through. I listen to that show. What's it called again? It's called Bad Adaptations. Bad Adaptations? Yep. The B stands for Bollywood. Not everyone is bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, but most of them are. It's it's really a bummer. That's a bummer. All right. Well, like, we'll, uh, thanks for showing up, Alicia. Like, this is like, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And, uh, let's introduce our main guest. Um, you might know him you- as, <laughs> that was cool, uh, what you just did. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, you might know him as one half of the Culture Kings. You might also know him as like a as a writer and as the co-host, as the host of the Wokest podcast. It's Edgar Montplessier, everybody! Yay! You, you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I did not know that this was Alicia's first time on. Is this your first time co-hosting this podcast? It is. Oh, it's wow, man. Time. I got to be a part of a very important special moment. So I appreciate mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me for this special moment. I like to be a part of special moments. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being a part of this. Yeah. This is so special. Of course. If someone gets engaged in front of me, I'm like, hey, yo, like, let me talk at that wedding. <laughs> I like to be a part of special moments. <laughs> it's more so when people, my friends get engaged, I always pressure them in the group chats of being like, so I'm going to be a part of your wedding somehow, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I deserve that. I feel like I've, 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 I've showed myself off as a charismatic, fun person. And I know earlier I said that I'm the guy at party yeah. who likes to shit on things. But I can be that fun <laughs> guy if I want to be. And I think that I deserve to be a part of everybody's wedding. 
Yeah. I feel like I want to be a part of a wedding until they ask me to do that. And I'm like, oh, no, this is too much responsibility <laughs> that, for me. That's exactly correct. Uh, that's happened Maybe to me Indian multiple weddings times. Are super intense also. Yeah, that's uh, happened to me multiple times where they like, hey, are you ready? And I'm like, oh, damn, now I got to do this thing that I said I wanted to do the entire time. Uh, maybe in 15 years, I'll invite you to my wedding. So uh, in the meantime, you have to make a speech. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi, Edgar. Uh, it's nice to have you on. Like, um, <laughs> I love what you do. I love I love the, your shows. And uh, you're just like uh, such a cool guy. Uh, welcome to the show. Like, this is so nice. Oh, yeah. You love my shows. Name my last five albums. Uh, <laughs> uh, Should we talk about our favorite episodes now? Yeah. You, you, uh, like my favorite episode of Culture Kings is. <laughs> you, you, your co-host named Jackwis. Oh, okay. All right. He's a fan. He's a fan. He's a fan. Um, to, for those who might know, what is Culture Kings? Like, can you tell us a little bit like of the show? Like, what? Yeah, man. You know, truly, I think the best way to describe Culture Kings is uh, Jaquis Carl, when he used to be on the show, and I would have these, like, we would see somebody post something on Facebook, and we would open up a group chat on Facebook Messenger and just rail on that Facebook post. And like, it would be like <laughs> hours. Like I would be like on my phone for hours with Jaquees and Carl just like talking about it. And then one day Jaquees was just like, yo, we should just record this. And so that's essentially what we did is we, we just like kind of take takes from Twitter or whatever's kind of in the zeitgeist. And now, you know, thanks to Airwolf and their amazing production team, we can do this with guests is we're just kind of catching people's vibes on things and just, kind of talking about it from Jaquise and I's perspective. So, you know, we talk a lot about a pop culture or politics or basketball, and it, it, it's really just a Facebook argument recorded. It's a fun time, though. Way more fun than a Facebook argument. <laughs> Those are scary. It is a very, like, I would describe it as a hangout show, mm -hmm. like, but it's also like, um, you know, there's so many, hang I've said this to Alicia, there's so many hangout shows where it's just like, the premise is like nothing. It's just like two guys drinking beer, talking about movies. Mm -hmm. And that's the title of our show. We're cool. We're two friends. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and, but like, I just think like the, the, uh, insight and vulnerability and charm of you and Jaquise is like, so like makes it, makes the premise like, um, enhanced, I guess. And I also think like, um, what's it called? Uh, shoot. Ah, I was, I was in the middle of, like, complimenting you. It's all guys. good. Um, but, like, Nothing uh, makes me feel good, like, when the person forgets the compliment halfway through. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm going to be flying high after this. Okay, well, I'll, I'll step in. I, yeah, okay, please. I, I heard that episode where you guys talked about, um, you know, voice actors and, you know, black actors acting in, like, you know, voice over in animation. Right. And it was so good. It was my first episode, actually, that I listened to. And oh, I was like, wow. This is yeah. so good and so uh, charming. With uh, with Brandon. Um, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was around the time when all that controversy was happening. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I just think, you know, that's just, there's a certain parts of Hollywood where I think we could do better. Uh, uh, and I say we because I run yeah. that shit. And um, <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, it's just... You know, when you look at a character like Apu, or you look at, I guess, all the black characters on The Simpsons, which I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea until I saw the news. I was like, oh, damn, for real? Not not one of them? <laughs> I didn't know that until your podcast. Yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> it's just that that just seems to me like such an easy spot to do, like, you know, a layup. And I understand the argument of like, well, Phil Lamar plays white people. And it's just like, well, yeah, if you're as good as Phil Lamar at doing anything that you could do whatever the fuck you want. But yeah. and, and, and the real of it is that's 
there's only one Phil Lamar, there's at least 25 white people playing black people. So it, it, it's just not fair. And until we can get that balance, then talk to me about artistic liberties. I feel the same way about if somebody approached me and said, hey, you want to write a movie about an Asian American guy growing up in, you know, Los Angeles, I would say probably not because <laughs> that's not it. That, that should go to someone who has that experience and those opportunities aren't going to them anyway. So I understand artistic liberty. I understand that everyone should tell a story they want to tell. Like I am in my head right now about writing a script about interracial couples. Like I want to do like a script about like a group of friends where they're all in an interracial relationship. And I'm like, can I, because I definitely want like, you know, one to be Korean, one to be Indian, but I don't know that experience at all. Like, is that even my spot to yeah. write? Like, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like the fact that there are white guys out there who don't even go through that process, who just go, I want to write a movie about Syrian <laughs> refugees. And they go, and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It is going yeah. to that next step. It upsets me. And just like, <laughs> Universal's like, yeah, make it. Like, that sounds yeah. good. They're like, yeah. incredible. You can only fail up at this point. Let's do this. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I do think that that's one major one major way we can step up. And it's such a simple, easy way. You know what I mean? And that's what made me so mad when Josh Gad tweeted, you know, it was the best decision of my career. Then why didn't you make it in the first fucking place, you idiot? Like, it's like you should have, it should have never been Kristen Bell, you know, voicing a black lady. It should have never oh. been that. But I, I just think it's just an easy spot for us to do something. By the way, tune in next week for a Josh Gadda. <laughs> we, we, we review his album. Um, but like, um, yeah, like, uh, I, I just remember the second half of my compliments. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. um, um, all right. Like, uh, my thing I was going to say is like, uh, speaking of voice, like, you know, the voice acting episode. Um, um, but like you tailor, I think the thing you do really well is like you tailor each episode to the guest in a really nice way. You like, you know. Uh, Lauren Lapkus came on and he talked about 90s like TV shows and like you know reality shows and such and like uh, yeah it's just like um, I like Demi Jujuebe came on and he talked about like Oscar movies and stuff like that and like um, I think that's a really you, you definitely like make your guests feel welcome you make your guests feel uh, and you include them in this like Facebook conversation that is like but like not a Facebook conversation that is like ugly and gross and like nice one. everything's on fire Good discourse. yeah but like just like you know like three friends on a facebook chat just like hey yeah we love this thing and like it's really a wonderful yeah thing. I, like i just i gotta give that. credit to two people for that i mean first credit would definitely be to jakeese like you know jakeese is the one who like definitely comes in and just like let's talk to these people about this and one of the reasons why he started doing that is because especially when we get someone like Lapkus or Gabris or Demi, it's because they have something coming up and they've probably been talking about that thing. They've probably been talking about it. Like, you know, same thing with Kenny Smith was like, he was like, obviously he talked about his Jet Academy, but that's why they're on this tour is they're talking about this thing. And Jaquise was just like, let's talk to them about something else. Let's be the one show where they stop and they talk about something that they like, you know, they don't have to go through the, especially because when you go on these things, it's like, you know, same thing with like me and staffing meetings you kind of have this rehearsed speech that you always do. Like, you know, you can see it. If you watch, watch somebody do an interview for a movie that they're promoting and they kind of say the same thing in any, every interview of like, yeah. yeah. The, the Lady Gaga says like Exactly. The same, they like, say it like, takes, like, what was it? It's yeah. one in a million in a room. It's like, it takes one person. <laughs> like one person in yeah, a room. Yeah, that one. Like that. And yeah. you see him say it in every, every interview he says that about Lady Gaga, but it's not his fault. They're doing a hundred of these interviews. Sometimes what like agencies do is they put you in a hotel 
and reporters just come through and you're in the same spot, giving the same answering the same questions all day. So I don't fault them for like, you know, giving these stock answers. But Jaquise, like, you know, came with that brilliant idea. The second person I got to shout out to and it hurts me to shout this person out because I disagree with everything they believe in. This person is a white supremacist and we are forced to work with them contract contractually through Earwolf. But that's Matt Apodaca. Matt Apodaca <laughs> is, uh, you know, such a <laughs> he's such an amazing producer. He does a great job with the show. You know, he works really, really hard and he's the one who gets us these great guests and make sure that we have all these things. Again, I hate his politics. I, uh, I, I absolutely <laughs> reject him. I think that he should be in prison. But for what he does for our show, it's, it's really fantastic. Excellent disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, the thing, other thing I want to ask about a little bit now, and before we get into Bogey and please, stuff, please. Um, is like, um, yeah, you strike me as a very vulnerable person. You strike me as a very open person, like even though, you know, it's, you seem like sometimes a little like reserved sometimes, but like you strike me as a very. Are open, you reading me? Are person. you reading me right now? What's yeah. going on? <laughs> oh, like uh, parasocial relationships, baby. Uh, but, like, <laughs> um, but like, um, yeah, like you, like just like in uh, episodes of the show, you like dro- like casually drop like just like moments. It's just like yeah, in therapy, I learned da 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 da, and just like stuff like that, and like. You get, um, you know, you and Jaquise that like get your guests to like open up and be vulnerable mm-hmm. too. And I was wondering, like, what role? I was wondering, like, what? How do you approach like vulnerability in your art and your, you know, your podcasting and stuff like that? Like, I was wondering how. Yeah, you- man. You know, I'll be a hundred percent honest. It's, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think you're one hundred percent right in that I can be very reserved. Uh, I think the reason why. I hate Christmas and I hate Halloween is because it's it will force me to confront how I grew up, which is not my favorite thing to do. Uh, but I, I have been challenging myself lately and, I, and I'm thankful for podcasting because it has helped me be more open and honest with how I'm feeling. Uh, my my old reaction to how I was feeling was to cover it up with like bits and jokes uh, in an episode coming out. I kind of got called out by a guest who was just like, you're probably actually an introvert. And I was like, you're right. I am actually an introvert, which is not <laughs> how I come off at all. Right. Like I come off as very extroverted and having a fun time. And But that is me not wanting to deal with how I feel, which is usually anxious or depressed or angry. And I cover it up with jokes and all this stuff and podcasting, especially with someone like Jaquise, who is such a great conversationalist. It, it's kind of, allowed me to be vulnerable and to be open and, and you know it's funny that you say the whole parasocial thing because that's something that Jaquise and I talk about a lot and we like to shit on a lot on the show we're very I, I want to say that we're probably the meanest podcast hosts to their fans because we're constantly like yeah <laughs> like and subscribe and you know tweet at us but don't tweet at us too much you motherfuckers we don't like y'all <laughs> like it's such a weird kind of balance that Jaquise and I have but there have been people who have reached out to me and who have said like yo I appreciate you talking talking about like, you know, uh, your struggle with suicidal ideation or your struggle with this. And that is important to me because those are things that I pretended just weren't true. But then at the same time was like blogging about them and stuff like that and being like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And but also being like when someone pay attention to me, be like, hey, why are you talking to me, man? I'm good. And it's like now I'm just like, no, nah, I should own those things. And yeah. like, yeah, I suffer from major depression. I, you know, struggle with suicidal ideation. I haven't been 
a perfect man my entire life. Like there's so many things that I want to be more honest and more upfront about that. I, I think that we can kind of like, you know, podcasting has allowed me to stop skating around. Because it's like, just like, it's such a, and, and we edit, you know, things and, you know, we get, we cut things out there, like maybe a little too much, but like, it's a, we're uh, kind of, it's a live wire act of we're just making, literally making it up as we go. And like, you know, unlike an improv scene, we're kind of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of like, we're like, and like, we're trying to articulate what we're feeling and like what we think about things in real time. So like, there is like a vulnerability, like there's a different vulnerability than like say something that's written and like thought out. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not um, processed, but it's also just like, if I'm going to ask that of my guests, I have to be willing to ask that of myself. And, you know, I definitely was the friend who everybody could come talk to about how they were feeling. But then when it was my turn, I was like, all right, well, we getting hot dogs. We're going to smoke some weed. Like, what's up? And I was like, wait, what about yourself? So it's just something that I'm working on more. That's really, that's really wonderful. Um, well, uh, <laughs> there's no nice way to transition out of that. Like, thanks. Thanks, mom. Uh, I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud. Yeah, thank you. That's really great. It's good. It's just all I can say is it's good. That's like, yeah. that's really wonderful. And that's really, um, just keep doing what you're doing. It's like really, um, you know, a lot of people like, uh, think it's really incredible and really, well, hey, so. I, I don't like uh, credit, but thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about, um, well, speaking of vulnerability, let's talk a little bit about Bon Iver, like, <laughs> one of the most nakedly vulnerable people I can think of. Um, what is your, the, to the both of you, like, what is your relationship and preconceived notions and history with, with Bon Iver up to this point? Uh, before Andrew asked me to be on this podcast, I don't think I had a single conscious thought about Bon Iver, which is terrible. Like, all my friends really like, like... It was so weird. I, he would sh- Edgar is like putting his hands up. Which is like such just- a mistake. I was like, because I, I, it's funny. I actually have been meaning to listen to that. Like I was like, mm-hmm, next on my list. That's the name of the show. And it, I, yeah. I did the thing. And it's the titular role. Yeah. <laughs> I had been meaning to listen. So Andrew did me a favor. I was putting it off for dumb reasons. And I got to listen and it was an experience. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I felt things. We can talk about that later, but that was my preconceived notion. I didn't like, I had no, just didn't really think about him. I don't know. Well, did you like, did you like, had you had never heard of Justin Vernon or any of his other projects? Like, or was he just like, yeah, like I just, I'm not, this sounds dumb. I'm not like super into music. I like music. I understand. I'm not like in music scenes or anything, you know, like I'm more of like a, you're a casual listener. You're a casual listener. Yeah, I'm a very casual listener. So like people will tell me, Hey, they're good. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'll check them out. I'll throw them on my podcast or like, I'll throw them in my playlist or whatever. Like, you know, like, yeah, my girl, my girlfriend is very similar. Uh, it's a, it's a big issue in our relationship, uh, is that she's a, she's a very much so a podcast person. And I think it is like a, a way that a lot of people are consuming entertainment now, which is sad for me who not only am I a music person, I abhor playlists. I think playlists are, I think that they're only, they're, <laughs> wow. they're only for specific situations. If you really about the music, listen to the whole album. Uh, so like, you know, uh, for me, I, my preconceived notion going into this listen, I mean, I recommended it. So I love Justin Vernon. I think he's amazing. Uh, my history with him is kind of, I don't, oh yeah, I know. Why am I pretending like I don't know? He was featured on a Kanye West song, uh, called lost in the world, which is, 
That's right. A yeah. cover, technically, of the song Woods by Bon Iver, which is from the Blood Bank EP. And I was just like, yo, who the fuck is this dude band? And then I looked into <laughs> it. And I think one of my friends, you know, like I had a lot of music nerd friends in college was just like, oh, yeah, it's this guy, Justin Vernon. He like went to a cabin and recorded all this music. And I went and I listened to that album uh, for Emma forever ago, which he recorded in a cabin while he got sick. And I was just like, yo, I fuck heavy with this guy. So I was excited for this album because I listened to for uh, forever ago and was just like, this is my shit. I love this. All the songs on this are great. I'll listen to skinny love all the time and cry and be like, why won't you text me back? So like that, <laughs> like whole energy was there. Uh, so when this album came out, I was just, I was already super hyped for it. Cause I was already on the Justin Vernon wow. train. Very different reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Two very different preconceived no, notions. Absolutely. I think like literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, like, yeah. like scientifically, <laughs> like, um, yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, I knew, um, probably was Kanye, like that record. Like, uh, that was my first exposure to, uh, Boney Bear. Like, uh, I'm not making an impression that much of an impression. Like also like I didn't get Kanye at the time, like when I was like in high school, like I got, I, now I kind of like really, really get it. But like back then I didn't really understand like what his appeal was. Um, but like, um, and then like, I just remember, like I have a very vivid memory. Like there's a lot of gaps in like, you know, my bony bear, like kind of like, um, you know, history, I guess. But like I, a vivid memory I have is, reading the John Krakow book, like, uh, Into the Wild or something like that, and listening to For Emma Forever Ago and just, like, reading it and then crying, <laughs> watching, reading and, like, um, listening to that rec- record at the same time. It was, it's, like, a perfect soundtrack to just, like, this guy who, like, left everything and just, like, you know, decides to, like, live off in the woods and just, like, write in his journal and like he died like he froze to death and like um it's like it's like real i just remember having that visceral visceral memory um and really really loving the romanticizing the idea of this guy being so sad he lived out in the woods for like and just recorded an album by himself like that's a very romantic that's a weirdly romantic thing of just like you know like you know with like for like an emo kid like Absolutely. just like Absolutely. Yeah. The teen angst, just like. It's a mature teen angst, right? Like that's what. Yeah, that's true. That's what Walden was for me. Yeah, and I did the same thing, Andrew. It wasn't that book though. It was uh, it was Lisa Grass by uh, Walt Whitman. Like I just, I used to take that out into the woods and listen to Bonnie Vare and cry. Oh yeah, man, because it was like, it's it's an idea of quote unquote manliness that I definitely don't live. Like, you know, I think every time I go camping, I'm definitely the butt of the jokes of being like, all right, when are we going back to the city? Like, this is this is a lot. Like, I can't, <laughs> but I, I like that idea. Every time I go to nature, every time I'm outside, I feel this spiritualism that, or spirituality that I haven't felt since I was a young kid in church. And so, like, I, I definitely attach this album to those kind of feelings of, Joshua Tree or Idlewild or the forest that were behind my college. Like, just like that idea of just being out in nature and feeling it. And I want to travel to a lot of the places that are mentioned in this album. I remember liking those two, like the Blood Bank EP 
and Forever From a Forever Go a lot. I remember loving those. And then I kind of just fell off. Uh, and like, um, and then I picked up, I list, I, have, I have not like intently listened to, but I enjoy, you know, his uh, later two records of like, you know, um, 20 to a Million and I, I. Like, um, I really, and I really like the story of just like him making I Am I, that song, or just like him literally just like, rubbing cardboard together and like turning on the radio and being like that's a beat and everyone was like it is <laughs> and like him making him taking three years to make that song like that's such a cool like just like finding music in anything like that's such a cool idea and like um he he strikes me as a very as a very authentic person as a very emotional but like his like sole purpose in life is to make this music mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he he might do like a beer commercial every so often, but like he doesn't strike me as someone who's like sold out, you know, he's like very like, you know, just like the American experiences that you both had. They were just aggressively American classic experiences. (laughs) (laughs) Can't relate. (laughs) I'm that person that doesn't go camping at all. Like, I'm just like, Oh, have fun. Message me when you're back. Like, I'm like, well, it, I, I want. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. It's very. Wow. It's 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 so against my immigrant upbringing to do what I did. Yeah. But I I love yeah. it. I love it. Look, I love it. I can't. It's like the one white thing. That's such a lie. I love prestige <laughs> television. I love Vampire Weekend. There's so many other white things. But that one Vampire is just like one where I'm just like I get it, man. I get wanting to live in out of an RV and just drive across the country. Like it feels. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it calls to me. Sometimes I'm like, maybe, maybe I go against my immigrant raisings <laughs> and I go into nature. <laughs> it sounds nice. Yeah. Where our parents are just like, we escaped that. We escaped that. And you want to go back? We spent so long. What is it? Trevor Noah's like, we spent so long perfecting the inside and you want to go back outside. Yeah. <laughs> my last thing about this record is like, just like, so this is the one I don't really know that well. Like, um, but like my impression of it was it kind of like, um, you know, when uh, For Emma Forever goes very insular, very just like he's trapped in his cabin alone with his thoughts and just like he played his own instruments and stuff like that, like by himself, mostly by himself. And then this is like more expansive and like big and like he has more people helping him out. And he's like he I think he did some of the record in his cabin but like he also like did it in studios. It's like a little more modern, a little more. Yeah, that's really all I knew about this particular record. Um, so yeah, let's uh, get into themes of this record right after a quick break. Da 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 da. And we're back here of Edgar and Alicia. Still like, uh, what fun? What fun we have? Um, and what great conversations we're about to have? And what nice times. You are going to have listening. Oh, I envy you. Are you are you threatening um, them? Are you threatening them? <laughs> telling them that they're going to have a good time? It's, it's mildly ominous as a treat. We're, we're going to have a, we're having a great time. We're 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 <laughs> laughing and loving. Okay. Um so <laughs> Yeah. Um but yeah, like uh welcome back to the show. Uh yeah, we're here to talk about Bony Bear. So, uh let's talk about Bony Bear's Bony Bear. What are what are like the major takeaways and themes of this record do you feel? I want to hear Alicia's answer. Thoughts. Oh, wow. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. I I mean, I I go, I mean, it's definitely a love letter, I mean, as all his albums are. It's definitely a love letter to nature. Um a lot of the uh specifically the uh, upper Midwest, you see a lot of 
shout outs to the area of Wisconsin, uh, which is where he is from, uh, which uh, a lot of the album names come from areas around. I mean, album names, song names come from areas around there. But also, and I didn't know this until reading Genius. Here's something that I realized about myself with music is I listen to a lot of these songs and I love them and they're my favorite songs. I got no idea what they're about. Oh, thank God. I just love the way that they sound, but I have no idea what songs are about. And I realized that when I listened to uh, Dissect, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that podcast. Very excellent podcast. Yeah, I love it. Love uh, it. Yeah. I was listening to their album about uh, their uh, season about season. Channel Orange. Or it was about Blonde, but it was just it's, they start with Channel yeah, Orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was just like, I, I had I had no idea what the song Thinking About You was about. I did not know that it was a song where he's purposefully lying about how he's feeling. So he says outlandish things. Because I was always saying, why are you saying a tornado flew in his room? And it's just like, <laughs> oh, he's he's lying about how he feels about this guy. Damn, that shit is deep. I'm I just lying. like the song. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I went on Genius for this album, and I realized that a lot of the songs deal with loss and like either losing connection with yeah. someone or, you know, the opening song is about uh, how one of Bon Iver's friends felt about losing their very good friend, Heath Ledger. Uh, so, like, I didn't know that uh, a lot of the songs were about loss, which to me makes me love it even more because I'm a sad ass nigga and that's all I'm about. So, like, <laughs> I've used those songs. I listen to those songs a lot during those times in my life where I'm feeling heavy loss or heavy rejection or, you know, heavy depression. So, to know that that was what was baked into it from the beginning was so perfect for me it was a spiritual experience for me like it was i don't know it i feel like the first three songs for me were just one giant song for yes. me like it was an experience like you're floating on the same river that he is you're in the same mellow creek and towers was a vibe check to make sure that i still had brain waves going on because it was it was i was vibing so hard it led me on an experience i saw god it was incredible do you the like did you like the there. album? I can't tell if you liked it or if I know I say all these like aggressive things. Yeah, you sound I like me giving book album. reports in, yeah, in high school. <laughs> Jokes. I'm actually angry all the time. Yeah. Anyway, this, this album made me forget I was angry. Yeah. Because it was so good. I didn't have wow. that like because I don't know what songs are talking about either when I listen to them. Because I'm a very casual music listener. I'm just like yeah, this is good. This is fun. If I like something, I'll like hold on to that album forever. Like if I listen to something when I was a kid, I'm like, mm, yeah, this Outkast album staying with me forever. Mm -hmm. But this was this might be added to one of my forever, forever albums. Wow. A total wow. vibe. It was just a it was it is a vibe spiritual. Yeah, it was like I had to make sure I was still conscious like halfway through because <laughs> he took me somewhere. Yes, he, he took me to a forest. Wow. I've never been to a forest, but he took me there. <laughs> the thing that's really cool Ooh. about this record, um, and like I said, it's like kind of like an evolution, like a natural evolution from For Emma Forever Ago. Um, I like, uh, I think that someone on Genius pointed out uh, something I really liked was like the the cover for For Emma Forever Ago is like this fogged up window of like, you know, just like, you know, the outside. And like, it's like kind of like the, the dew is precipitate condensating on like the window it's like very foggy and stuff we can't really see anything and then this record it's like a picture of this oasis you know it's this picture of like this paradise mm -hmm. like this cabin with this like serene 
crick and stuff like that and like um you know beautiful nature stuff and it feels like processing uh and like getting on the other end of uh the figuring this stuff out he stepped outside reaching Yeah. yeah and reaching this like uh calm and reaching this like at the end like the very last song like uh Beth rest is like very just like I'm out of it, baby. You know, just like that's like that's the vibe with that song. And um, but in the meantime, it's all him just like just trying to figure it out. Like and like just like really try to um, uh, wrestle with wrestle with the same stuff he's wrestling with in the same like, you know, heartbreak and like, um, you know, like you're talking about loss and just like what is the meaning of everything? And then at the end, like kind of coming at coming like clear headed out of the fog. Um, yeah, so, um, let's quickly go through some, um, seems, so it seems like there might be less low lights in general. There are no low lights. Um, There are no low lights. And I, I I came onto this podcast with the agenda of saying there are no low lights on this album. Yeah. And I feel like the credibility is there because he's a fan. I was casual. There are, it hits every time. Yeah, it's, there are no low lights. There's no skippable. Name me a song that you skip. Uh, okay, Do you okay. skip any songs on this, yeah. and, on, oh, on this I, Andrew? I did not skip, okay, I did not skip any songs. I got my I Delta Airlines open but. right now. I will be in Chicago. <laughs> Tell me if you skipped any songs. <laughs> oh no. What, what, what an honor to get beat up by Andrew. <laughs> um, so, like, by the way, like, I, like, uh, I want to invite you to my wedding for, so that you can beat me up. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, it's not necessarily, I think any song's bad. I think it's more so, uh, the listening process, like, and it was also like, um, was at times a little frustrating, mm. at, like, because it was me not understanding it, mm. you know, it was like, you guys were like, I, I'm actually kind of like glad you guys said, like, I actually didn't understand what he's talking about. Like when I was listening mm-hmm. to it. Um, so know. like the. There's like an element of him. Uh, so the lyrics aren't like he's not like mumbling. He's enunciating clearly, generally. But the the vocals like are part of the musical environment, you know. So like it's kind of like of one piece generally. So it was like so if I just listen to it like walking down the street or whatever, I don't know what he's talking about. Right. I don't know what he's saying, you know. So there's that, and then. The lyricism is like very, very much like maybe it's because you like, you know, um, read and can comprehend leaves of grass with like and I'm just like, what are you talking about? I don't understand this. Um, like, I guess he's horny for leaves. Like, OK. Um, <laughs> <but> like, <laughs> so like all the lyrics, like I'm made, I'm made of make or something like that or like um I can understand individually all those words, but together it's enigmatic and it doesn't like still alive for you love. That's like a, like a stanza that like is poetic and like emotional, but like it defies straightforward interpretation. Yes. It just, it defies just like, sure. what does that mean? You know, <laughs> like, and it feels like when I watch, watch like a Shakespeare play or something like that. Uh, like, mm. so like when I watch like a Shakespeare play, and like, and like, this is like part of like the my insecurity of like intelligence and stuff like that. It's like, 
I'll like be watching it and then, you know, King Lear will say something weird and then I'll be like, what does that mean? And then he's off to something else. And then I'm like, but what was that? And then he's still going. And then like I could recognize and like the actor's crying and he's like, you know, they're having an emotional scene. And I'm like, I get that this is like so emotional. There's so much craft here, but I am lost, Mm. you know, and like reading genius is like was daunting too of just like clicking on every single like thing and it's just like (laughs) it's someone else's interpretation that you might not necessarily trust fully to and then it's so emo not not this this is the part i like about it it's like so emotional that like when you guys listen to it it's like a vibe it's like all that Mm -hmm. stuff but it also feels like it's asking you to decipher it it's asking you it feels like it's asking me to like decipher it so like i feel like um with his first record there are a lot of like wolves act one and two that's such a great song but the lyricism is so simple you know and it's just a mood it's just like you know sounds and like you know instruments and like him like screaming and stuff like that and crying and the lyrics are very simple and that is like but then he's like in this one he's like going so abstract and going so like strange that like sometimes that was a little fresh that's like my major low light and it's not even a low light it's just more like my my personal experience with it like i guess well okay i'm gonna tell you this it's 525 dollars right now to go to chicago so i could beat your ass you gotta pick me up <laughs> you gotta pick me up at 9 55 p.m I'm not getting on the train. I'm taking what is it called the loop? I'm not getting on that in COVID times. Okay, you gotta pick pick me up, and then I'm gonna beat your ass. Okay, all right, and then (laughs) I I agree with you. I agree with you because I talked to my girlfriend about this. I was just like, I don't even know how to write lyrics, like because you know I try to I dabble in music just for myself, and I was like, I I I I actually hate that my lyrics are incredibly straightforward. And incredibly, uh, uh, like, you know, I remember I submitted to my school would publish a book of things written by its students every year. And I submitted a poem one time and this guy was like, yeah, it's so straightforward. And it's so what did he say? There's a word that meant essentially the word meant the words mean exactly what they mean. And I was offended. I was so offended that he said that. But he was (laughs) right. And I've always aspired to get to that. And I think. The trick of it is, is every time I'm trying to do it, I'm trying to do it in a way that people are going to interpret that it's that. But then you're never going to actually do it because in already doing that, you are making it so other people can consume it in a certain way. So then it's already not vague and, you know. Yeah, like you're trying to lead them to water, but really you want them to organically come to the water themselves. Yeah, Which is why I would make the argument that I don't think he wants you to decipher the words. I think whatever you're feeling when you're listening to it, that's it. That's the meaning of the song. You know what I'm saying? Because for me, when I first read, when I first heard Skinny Love, I put onto it the idea of, oh, this love isn't sustainable because you don't actually like me. You don't actually like me. You don't really like me. So it's like it's a thin you know, breakable love when actually I think he was saying he wrote it because he was talking about a relationship that was dying. So it was like two different things. It was like, but that's what I took. And I don't think that he would say you're wrong. Like, I, and I think that that's so, so, some of the best art. Like, I think like, you know, yeah, for me, 
especially, you know, working in sitcoms and stuff like that, which, again, we talked about at the top of this. Love them. I think they're amazing. I think that they're great. Sitcoms are pretty clear about how they want you to feel. Like, there's no ambiguity to what mixology certification is about. It's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that sometimes there's room for this other kind of art that's just like, man, it's up to you, man. How you feel is how you feel, and no one can take that away from you. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that we can all listen to this song and walk away feeling different things, to me, is what makes it valuable. Now... I'm also talking to you as someone who hates Rothko. I hate him. I think Rothko's art is trash because I'm just like, yo, this is just a swab. You can't call this shit art. (laughs) But I also understand the argument of what is it that you're feeling when you're looking at this? I think for me, what I probably hate about Rothko is that it's just a bunch of rich people sitting in a room being like, ooh. Like, that's what I don't like about (laughs) it. But I do understand the value in he just expressed himself and he's just like, what do you feel when you look at it? And I think that, and I don't think, I don't think Bon Iver cares about what Genius says. Like, you know, it's not like, I don't think we can approach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we can approach it. And I tried. I did the same thing, man. When I saw that that song was about Heath Ledger, I was like, what? <laughs> In what world is any of the lyrics on Perth about Heath Ledger? This makes no sense. This is crazy. But I think, like, it's not like hip hop where, like, you know, a Kendrick Lamar song, you can break it down and be like, oh, shit, this is a reference to that. And this is that. I don't think it's meant to be deciphered in that way. I think it's just like you said, it's emotional. It's raw. How do you feel when you're listening to it? And that becomes increasingly more clear when his albums just get weirder and weirder later on. Like, I yeah. I is just yeah. him sampling himself over and over and over again. And you're just <laughs> like, what is this? Like you said, it's him rubbing two car- pieces of cardboard together and be like, this is music. So I think it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's his Rothko. It's his swab, his big paint swab being like, how do you feel about it? And I think like, that's like a point, like uh, someone made online of just like, um, what's it called? Um, music isn't, you know, with critics and with like, you know, like what what I do a little bit with this show in like analyzing a record and like, you know, all that stuff. Like I think on some level, like someone like said, like music isn't supposed to be like there's like that meme with the stick figure, like looking intently like this, like, hmm, like it's not that's not how you're supposed to consume music necessarily. You're supposed to like, you know, so maybe with more time and like um, and I think there was like a level of like uh, <laughs> ironically, like me trying to like you know, a little worried of just like, uh, like, like getting like a little vulnerable. Like, yeah, I wanted you to like me. I wanted you to both of the, both of you to like me, you know, I wanted you to like think I was smart and like, you know, had like, and I think there was like a frustration of like, I'm like, I am within reach of the sublime, Mm. but I'm not touching it yet. You know, I am within like, but in the same way, what you're exactly talking about I can't explain why Wash made me cry, you know? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And and it makes me cry. I don't get it. I don't know why either. And like, I didn't even have that reaction. I think mine was, what was the fifth track on the, on the album? It was right after Towers. Misha Kant, I think. Yeah, Misha Kant made me fucking tear up and cry. And like, I just feel like this album was... Yeah, like a fine piece of art. Like, I know all music is objectively art, but like, I feel like the first time I listened to this album, it was like rain washing over me, you know, like you can't really capture that kind of rain. But like listening to it with lyrics, 
and sort of trying to comprehend what you're feeling and what you're hearing mm. and what you're reading is like being in one of those immersion sound baths. Mm -hmm. Like you have nothing else to focus on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have nothing else but you and what you feel and you have to confront that. And it was just like so good. It was the good shit. It, mm, it hit just right. Exactly. Free yourself. Free yourself. That's what she's asking yeah. you to do right now. Free yourself, mm. Andrew. Free yourself of the burden of understanding. Yeah. Go to the woods. Yeah. Take off all your clothes. Destroy your ID <laughs> and and die frozen. That's what we're asking you to do with this album. You write the next classic and American like, novel. Yeah. And like, I think like the best, like, it's like all about like kind of, um, and like that's like the theme of the record of just like letting go of that stuff and like letting go of like, you know, trying to find meaning out of everything. Like, like that's what Holocene's a little bit about too, of like, um, what's it called? And like the, the moments I enjoyed the record the most was when I was just lying down in the dark listening mm -hmm. to it, you know, and like not doing anything else. Like that was the, that was just like letting go of like, okay, try, trying to understand, trying to do that. Like, so, um, <laughs> are you still going to beat me yeah, up? Yeah, I am <laughs> still going to beat you up. Uh, uh, All right, I'll pick you up at your wedding, so that's nice. <laughs> I'm upset because yeah. I realize I'm wearing shorts that don't have pockets, so I don't have access to my wallet. But when I do, I'm buying that ticket. And I'm gonna come beat your ass, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, any and uh, any other low lights? I, I guess like um, <laughs> I know that's like a rhetorical question. Um, uh, Lisbon, Ohio. I wish it was a little. I wish they put a little more meat on that instrumental. I think I, I, it feels like a. It just feels like a, just an intro to Beth Rest. It doesn't feel like I. The instrumentals I love are just like full ideas. It just like and it's like so short. It just like it's so fast that like. I think um, that's why I like that's it. The one thing. I don't know. I feel like this album. You could shuffle it if you want. You could do whatever you want with it, but it works so well in the order that you get it. It's just like it flows. It's one giant experience. Like there really isn't one song that I would just like cherry pick out of there or whatever. They all blend seamlessly with each other. And I liked that that song did that. So that's not a low light for me. I mean, you know, in Andrew's defense, you know, which is going to be hard because I'm oh. the one who's attacking him. I did write <laughs> down that song as my, if I was like, if I had to pick a low light, I would pick that song. Because I agree that there could be a little bit more to it. And every time I listen to it, I always wish it was longer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I always wish that there was more to it. So look, I, that is what I wrote as my low light. So you know what? I'm canceling this ticket. I'm going to see if I can get a refund. <laughs> We're good nice. for now. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. Hey, well, watch yourself, counselor. Um, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> um, I'll say that to myself, I guess. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's go through some, uh, let's, let's stop being such negative Nellies and like, y'all are being nice negative on this road. <laughs> Y'all are being negative. Um, I'm here vibing with this whole album. Like I was like, I was like, I have no criticisms. I have no notes. None. Um, yeah, let's go through some highlights. Like uh, Alicia, what was a highlight song for you? It probably was uh, Michigan. Was that the name of the song for yeah. track five? Because mm -hmm. that and track number three, it was whatever it was before Towers. It was before my vibe check in Towers. Holocene, yeah. Yeah, Holocene. They, this album was, it like unleashed such a deep threaded yearning in me. And I feel like it also touches a lot on like childhood and that yearning that you have for like that innocence of childhood and the loss of that. And I just, those two songs just tapped 
into that for me. Mm. I ascended to another level. Like the whole album was good, <laughs> but those two just elevated me to a higher being. I wasn't on this mortal plane anymore. I was on like an astral plane. I was galaxy. Plane. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's also Michigan as well. I mean, just that. I mean, I've posted photos. I think I did one recently of me <laughs> with that those opening lyrics of "I wasn't afraid." I was a boy. I was a tender age. Like I, I just mm-hmm. did. I'm that basic bitch that does that. Oh yeah. Where I post pictures <laughs> with are. lyrics from albums, and that those lyrics hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I ever heard them. Uh, and then Wash is another one, like you said, Andrew, like where every time I listen to it, I cry. And then Beth Rest, which is great because <laughs> every Bon Iver album has a Beth Rest song that is like that last song that's super smooth and it just carries you there. But the, pia- the piano in Wash is just like the way it just. And when it harmonized with itself at the end, like just the. the- Plinkly ones at the very I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Like it's it was like chef's kiss. scientific. Yes. It's like chemical, like how it like yes. activates it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it it reminds me of like something that a friend told me one time, which is he said, um there's a sound that you can only hear when you're high. And that's what that song feels like to me. It's just like it's like like you said, it's like he purposefully knew that putting those sounds together would get some wild emotional reaction out of people. And this is like, he purposefully like was like, this is just enough of this chemical and this is just enough of that chemical. And you feel the release in it. And, you know, mm-hmm. talking about, I agree with you with what you said earlier of, he doesn't feel like a capitalist in terms of, it doesn't feel like he's trying to make commercial music. Although there are times when Justin Vernon, the person disappoints me in where it's blatantly <laughs> capitalist. Like for example, making a song with Taylor Swift, but I like. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I thought that song was. Bad. <laughs> I, I hate that song. I hate that song so much. It's so bad. Hey, gonna fly on beat you up now. <laughs> well, tickets back. Uh, <laughs> but I, I I do think like you know you're right and like it just feels like he's just making something to make it, which has challenged me and like you know influenced me myself of at making me ask questions of just like am I just expressing myself raw like. Why am I on Twitter? Am I on Twitter just trying to get people to like me? Is that why I make art? Or is it because I want to say something because I'm feeling something, you know? What am I trying to say? What am I trying to do? And, like, I feel like those two songs really capture that. This war I feel inside of trying to perfect everything, trying to make everything perfect. But then sometimes I just, like, need to let go and just be in the woods and be unencumbered like a child and, like, just be free. Yeah, like, this album was weirdly super heavy but it was also the lightest thing in the world yes. you know like you you leave the album like a wrung out dish yeah, rag that's a good description. you know like yeah. it's it gets you there it's like a deep tissue massage you know like it, it gets you yeah, but you're better like off painful like yeah it is bit, a little you painful like, you like untap yeah. these things inside you that you didn't know like but you leave lighter yeah like he does that yeah. for you he did that for us a good cry you know yeah like and like uh, I love Wash because like examining it lyrically a little bit, you know, in the little I did um, was like the it's about like his hometown. It's about the purity of like missing the purity of youth and like um, uh, and just like it made me think a lot about, you know, uh, I lived a lot of my life in Champaign-Urbana, you know, like, uh, you know, from like fifth grade to like the end of college, you know, so Champagne like I was, like, home. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. I, I, I love, I love, I love that place a lot. Um, and like, um, what's it called? I um, so I consider that home in a lot of ways. So, but then moving away, then moving somewhere else, and then like having your friends like kind of interspersed all over the globe, interspersed all over the country. It feels like I feel like very. Even though I visit, will visit Champagne every so often, like maybe once a year, once or twice a year, it doesn't like. And even though it's still, it's still, it's not technically home anymore. Like it's not technically your home mm-hmm. anymore. So like, and then it was more so a a feeling of just like, oh, this is where I belong. This is where, I, and like, so after move after like moving and like kind of like scutt- scuttling around like a hermit crab, it it feels like. I felt very like emotionally homeless for a wow. while, you know? Yeah. So like, it's that, I think that's why, like, so not even under, so when I lie down in the dark and listen to this song, I think of, I, even though I don't understand what he's saying, you know, I read that and then I think about that, you know, and that activates it too. So, I love that, man. Like, that's like that, that made good. that makes me feel something right now, man. Like that. Like, yeah, because again, I also I mean, I moved away as well. So I totally you're right. It's like I mean, Alicia said it like it's it's crazy that we all have three different reactions to those songs. Yet they're all kind of about the same thing of feeling yeah. like you lost <laughs> yeah. your childhood or yeah. something like that. It's from that deep. Yeah, it's from that deep childhood pool of like, you know, and what is it that's saying? You can never return home again. Like you can return physically to your childhood home again, but it's never the same. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have that. And you sort of have to mourn that small loss that you have. And like this album. Because it's not physical. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like physical. Necessary. It's just the feeling of home. And you sort of have to mourn that a little bit. And that album, this album just taps right into that pool. It was you you nailed it andrew <laughs> yeah, yeah wow uh, and um yeah i uh what's another like uh what's another highlight song for you guys like uh um, gnome uh i don't know there's something about some of the low voice registries that he has on that song is just like really great uh, that's, that's a lot yeah of it yeah. just sounds so weird you're not used to hearing a lead singer sing so deep uh, so I feel like that track yeah. to me is also pretty high on my list. The the funny thing about like Bon Iver is like he has a very deep chest voice. Like his speaking voice is a very deep chest yes. voice. Just like, hey guys, it's me, Bon Iver. <laughs> you know, just like, you know. It resonates and then, with you. Then he goes like, yeah. you know, just like <laughs> the, 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 his head voice is like insane. Yeah. Um, he has yeah, the range. I like, I, like, I like how it's just like, you know, the baritone cutting against the falsetto and just like, it's kind of a conversation a little bit like um, and like uh, this is a song and also this song and um, what's it called uh, Towers where he does like that the barn the barnyard bridge where it's like kind of like that dance section. Feels a little country. Yeah. Of, yeah. A little, little yeah, twang, it, it, you know, it's like um, it feels like, you know, him learning a lot from Kanye of just like. Kanye ran like just cramming as many ideas into one thing as possible mm-hmm. like and just like in the middle of on site just like the oh, he gave us we need. that bit and then the, I'm gonna suck your dick just like that like whole like just like you know Fran I think he it's like I think he said it something along those lines too but like um it's just like him cramming so many ideas like musical ideas into 
and they somehow all work together. Yeah. You know, they somehow all yeah. And it gives you a visceral reaction, right? Like, I mean, like that's why Jesus is yeah. considered by so many music scholars to be Kanye's best album. Although I heavily disagree, I love it, uh, but because it, like you said, like it, like there are so many times in that album where all of a sudden you're listening to a song and then. And then it's just like a Dutch rock song from the 70s. And you're just like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, one more song I want to talk about. We could talk about like this all day. But like, um, you know, a, a song I want to speak on because I have a lot. This is the song that was immediate, like on the first listen was Transcendent, was Holocene. I think that's my favorite one. Um, it's like, um, it's... Uh, just like fragmented vignettes of just like, you know, someone like drinking on Halloween to try and forget their childhood, you know, and then also like um, uh, the last verse is like him about like smoking a joint with his brother on Christmas. And then just like the the I think Nerd Rider had like a video about like how first let's talk about instrumentally like Nerd Rider had this video about like how it would like, you know, take elements out, like they would take out the drums and like add horns and then remove the horns and add like piano. And then that creates tension that creates like build and tension building stuff. And then um, it is like it is like wash the taking uh, the sounds of the words together, like sounding so good together. And then the message of the song of just like, um at once I knew I was not magnificent. Like, and just like, and then just like, uh, jagged vacants filled with ice and I could see for miles, miles, miles. Like that chorus is transcendent. Like uh, that was the moment where transcendence was grasped by me. You know, that was, the mo that was like, um, it reminds me of the Chris Gethard story. You know, he talks about on his, uh, out on his like a uh, one man show, like career suicide where, you know, he spent his whole life, you know, feeling depressed or angry or all those things. And then he was driving to Los Angeles for the first time. And then he like saw this train and then he was able to like kind of have this out of body experience where he was able to like look at himself from above and then him realizing, Oh, I don't have to, I don't have, I live my life thinking I had to be depressed or angry or scared, but I thought by zooming out, I'm like, oh, maybe I could live a life where I'm just like, you know, grow old and happy. You know, I didn't know I couldn't, I, I didn't, I thought that was my only choice to be sad or depressed. And then him, like by realizing you're meaningless that frees you up so Absolutely. much by realizing you're small that frees you up like so much. Um, so yeah. And, and it's, it is that like, um, and it's, uh, I'm talking a lot, but like, it's like, um, also talk your like, talk. This is your podcast. Uh, talk your talk. Yeah. You're the host. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but like, it's like, um, also like Dan Harmon had a bit too about this. It just like, you know, when talking about Rick and Morty and like the thesis of Rick and Morty of just like, you know, when you zoom out, yeah, everything's meaningless. But when you zoom back in, like, to, like, a family or to, like, you know, joy or stuff like that, it's the most meaningful thing you could ever imagine. And that's, like, kind of him. So when he says, I can see for miles, 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 it's that clarity of this, you know, 
yes, we're small. Yes, you know, but it's also the most meaningful. It's also beautiful. And like, you know, the fact that like I get to make this song, you know, saying this is meaningful, too. So it's what the it's what the word terrifying is supposed to mean. It's supposed to mean a concept or a thing like I think like the way you're supposed to use it is like because that's why you also say terrific in a positive way is if you look at a mountain and you realize how big it is in in comparison to you, that concept is terrifying. It shakes you at your human mortal core. And like, I feel like that's what that song is like getting at. It's just like. Like you said, it's like, oh, my God, I am meaningless. I could die any moment. But there's a beauty and a freedom in that. Yeah. And like, I I guess it's why, you know, the three of us probably are all attracted to these things, whether it be music or the shows that we like that kind of respect that concept of because it's not nihilism. I used to think I was a nihilist. And then I was like, I'm not a nihilist. I don't think that life is meaningless. I think it may be random, but I think that I've been given the opportunity random. to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think, but I think I've been given the opportunity to create meaning from that randomness, right? I think that's why we write. Yeah. I think that's why we make jokes. Is we can in embed whatever meaning we want inside of these events that happened to us. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I don't think I ever entertained nihilism personally. <laughs> like I always just, I don't, like maybe, like maybe for like a hot second when, you know, when we were in college, when we were all <laughs> watching community because community is such a college. So that, that you watch in college in your formative years, but like, I don't know, this album just, it does free you. It does free you in this very like spiritual sense because yeah, in the scope of things, we're not that significant, but that ends up making us so much more significant because we're doing everything we can to put so much of us in this world, you know? And that was just, it was humbling. This was a very humbling song for me. And I was very emotional when I listened to it. Like this was the song where I went out and I like drove my car around at night because I wanted to, <laughs> I, I wanted this to be a driving song for me. Like I was like, I needed to, I needed that atmosphere around me when I was listening to it. Uh, any other, uh, highlights or stray observations or fi- any, uh, any, you know, songs you want to like kind of dig deeper on, I guess. No, nah, man. I mean, I think you nailed it. I, I think like you yeah. really put a beautiful bow on what this album means for someone who had such strong critiques of them. I think that you recognize <laughs> That <laughs> really critiques, it's just like, you know, uh, just more of the experience of just like being, you know, a fun guy. Um, but like, <laughs> I guess like the last like thing I want to say though, is like, um, uh, speaking to like the, uh, um, you know, the getting out of the fog theme of the record of just the lyric in Beth rest. Uh, I'm living in the dark no more. It's not a promise. I'm just going to call it of, you know, when, when you're kind of out of a depressive episode, and everything like the fog is lifted per se you're you know there's a way to look at it sadistically of these feelings are going to come back you know i and i am doomed to be sad again you know um this is just a temporary thing but then him staking his claim in this space of clarity and of like you know getting past heartache and loss. I think that's beautiful. 
you know, mm-hmm. I think that's dope and cool. Uh, no, nah, man, I agree, man. I agree. You know what this kind of what you just said reminded me of? It reminded me of a high not in high school, my freshman year of college. I definitely put on this front of being like a badass and listening to hip hop and being a hard ass nigga because I thought it would get me girls. It didn't. Uh, because I never was that person, and I think people what? could, and people, I think people could see right through that immediately. But um, I remember this girl I had a crush on picked me up from the airport, and it was like my sophomore year, and she was giving me a ride, and she's like, "What music have you been listening to?" And I played her this album. I was like, "This is what I've been listening to," and I remember her listening to it and going this is what you listen to? And she was like disgusted with me that I was listening to this kind of thing. Oh no. And and I think I understand it now of these concepts of death and loss and all of these things. I think it's so often what we listen to music to distract from. It's why we watch television shows. It's why we like, we're like, I don't want to think about these things, but this album refuses to give you that option it refuses to let you ignore all that stuff which is why i think it is so special but i do understand that you know if you're just hanging out with the fam and you want to put on a fun album while you guys are driving across country maybe this album isn't the best (laughs) album for that unless that's the mood unless that's where you are in the deep country (laughs) you're gonna write that american novel but no i i love how you put that andrew like that was so yeah because i feel like yeah, with depression, because I also, surprise, I also have depression, anxiety. My therapist what? says I'm, I know, my therapist says I'm doing really well, but oh. like, yeah, like it's just, it's chronic, you know, you, you come out of the fog and you're, it's not hopeless. I mean, yeah, you're going to end up in the fog again, but you don't spend most of your life in the fog. You know, you're not just waddling through fog most of the time. And when you are in the fog, you know, you kind of just have to trust yourself that you're going to make it through without turning on your headlights, you know? Because apparently, according uh-huh. to Driver's Ed, you're not supposed to turn on your headlights in fog because it just reflects back at you, yeah. so. Damn, yeah. wow. I've been driving yeah. in fog wrong That's this why, whole time. Yeah, yeah. That's why Leisha's a writer, you should hire. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's uh, get to our final thoughts and ratings for the record. The way this works is we'll rate this record out of 10. Uh, we'll give it a like uh, rating out ten, uh, and we'll also like give like a little metric at the end. So like, uh, you know, ten out of ten, you know, uh, uh, hollow scenes or whatever. So okay, um, so I'll go first. Um, I had a great time with this. Like, uh, even though I was like kind of first of all talking about it made me like it a lot more. You know, obviously, like obviously, um, and um, it's. Uh, this is a great, this is like a, I think it's um, musically pretty airtight and pretty, it's pleasant to listen to. It is like a enjoyable listen. Like there's not a moment where like, ah, oh, God, like I'm like with my ears or whatever, um, where just like, oh, that was jarring or that was upsetting, really. Like it all like flows so smoothly. The songs transition into each other really nicely. It's create, it's like so creative in terms of like, the uh, musical ideas it has and stuff. Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, the And just like the themes of like loss and like, you know, I think I definitely need some more time with it, to, more time to like digest it and like maybe freed from the shackles of having to talk, <laughs> having to talk about it on a podcast. Like I'll, I'll probably put on my playlist and like, you know, just like let it breathe some more. 
Um, but I had a great time with this. So I'm going to give this... Uh, I'm going to give this 8.5 Jagged Vacants filled with ice. I respect that. All right. All right, Alicia, we turn to you. Okay. All right. And I was, I was like panicking going, <laughs> yeah. will I have a rating by the time you ask me? <laughs> Because, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to listening to this album with that breathing room because I feel like I'm going to get something new out of it every time I listen to it. Like every time I've listened to it, it's just like something new comes to me, which is nice. Like it's a different experience every time. It was a very strong album for me. It it was it was incredibly strong for me. I. I'm teetering between like an eight point five and a nine. And the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because I can't at this moment in time listen to this album all the time because of how heavy it is. Like, it can't be my album that it can be on at any time of the day. This is an experience every time I listen to it. <laughs> I can't listen to this if I'm about to, like, go into work or if I'm going to, like, sit down and write something. Like, I don't know. Like, it's a it's a solid, I want to say nine for me, just for that reason. Like, it, even just, like, the keys that he that he has in the songs they just like hit on those emotional heartstrings just like perfectly especially with like Misha Kant and stuff like they just that was the right key he knew exactly what key to hit for me to feel that emotional resonance it was great I loved it all right so nine out of ten watts nine out of ten Nine out of ten vibe checking towers for me because <laughs> all right towers really was a vibe check for me all right. Uh, uh, Edgar, now we turn to you. Yeah, you know, uh, 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 I I do love this album and I might be, you know, too hard of a stand to the point where I came on this lovely young man's album and threatened him with violence. <laughs> and, you know, I own that. I recognize that, that that's something I have to work on and uh, accept that other people may not always agree with me and violence is not the answer. So. And like barely disagree with you. Like, no one's fighting you. We're all on the same side of this argument. <laughs> That's an amazing callback. That's an amazing callback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Britta. That uh, you know, that being said, I think that this is a perfect album. I have no marks against it. I have no, you know, I have no critiques of it. I, I. I one, because of where it came to me emotionally, I would be lying if I told y'all that I didn't own this album on vinyl, on vinyl along with everything Boniver's ever recorded. Uh, that I have them all on vinyl. I'm probably going to listen to it on vinyl after this shit. Like, uh, uh, so why would you lie to us about <laughs> yeah. that? Like, I don't know. The first I don't know why I would lie. It's <laughs> like a benign lie. Yeah. I like lying. <laughs> I didn't have five guys for lunch and I get off on that lie. <laughs> um but um <laughs> I I gotta give it a 10 out of 10 crying in the dark wondering where my engagement went wrong. Uh so like you know oh, no. <laughs> like you know I well, think I'm spiraling it, just at that. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's a perfect album. I, I and I do think that out of all his albums, it's the most coherent because it exists in the middle of that raw acoustic sound that you have in for Emma. And that very electronic, not electronic, but definitely dabbling with synths and all of that stuff and sampling of 22 a million. Because 22 a million is how I felt about how you, fe is, 
is when I felt the way that you feel about the lyrics. That's how I felt the first time I was in the 22 a million. I was like, yo, what the fuck is this dude talking about? This shit doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but then I read about it and I watched YouTube videos and I was like, oh, okay, the sampling and all that. That means but the first time I heard it, I was like, yo, I don't understand this at all. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I would have to give this a 10 out of 10, crying in the dark, wondering where my engagement went wrong. Hell yes. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much, Edgar. Uh, thank you so much, Alicia. Uh, now we're going to get into our, <gasps> I didn't mean to listen to that. And I did. Playlist. I know, <laughs> I know how much, Edgar, you love playlists. So, uh, <laughs> I love playlists for the both of us. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yes. So um, the way it works is we'll like, just put some songs on our Spotify playlist and, uh, you know, uh, people can like choose to like, you know, if they like a song, they can choose to listen to the rest of the record. Um, to appease Edgar. Um, so, um, so I'm going to pick, um, I'm going to pick two songs this week. Um, first song I'm going to pick is an instrumental track, uh, like an instrumental interlude track that I think is so gorgeous and it makes me cry. Uh, it's Shrine by Meow Click. Like, so, Miel Bredo, like, uh, you know, she's your, your pal. And uh, also, like, great musician, too. Like, uh, her new record is, like, one of my favorites of this year. Um, we love you, Miel. Come on the show. Um, but, like, um, what's it called? Like, she's, like, uh, this, this, um, so, like, after, like, five emotionally wrecking songs, she just, like, lets the sixth track be this instrumental. And her brother, uh, Henry, too, like, I probably, like composed it and stuff um where she just lets you sit with those feelings for a little Mm. while and then like the way the track morphs into like this um you know this like from a melancholy like kind of like uh eternal sunshine piano bed to like a synthy like ascending uh like you know more optimistic and, like, it is, like, one of those things of, like, you, there's no right way to interpret it necessarily. Um, so I think that's that track is so beautiful. Um, and then uh, the other song I'm going to pick is uh, Save Me by Amy Mann. Click. So this song is on one of my favorite movies of all time, Magnolia. Um, it's the ending moments uh, makes me cry, where like uh, John C. Riley's like, um, you gotta stop. You can't say you're stupid. You can't say you're a disaster or you're not worthy of love to me. You know, and it's just like you know the end of the movie where like I don't want to. I guess like spoiled it. Whatever. Um, but like, um, but like just like it's so um, beautiful. And it's just like. Um, it, it also is like, um, uh, I like how it uses like the, um, you know, switching out of the layers and like switching out, like, you know, there's a guitar, like there's like guitar, like an electric guitar section. And it's like really, really gorgeous song. And like, it's, it's, uh, 
it, it also just reminds me of one of my favorite movies. So, yeah, that's my pick. Yeah, I can go. It seems like Alicia's yeah, probably can. Googling for music. I am. She's like music question mark into Google. Uh, like playlist question mark? I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I can do. I'll do two tracks as well. Uh, they're both from the same oh, album yeah. because, again, playlists are the cancer to music. Stop listening. I'm just kidding. They're not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very specific playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a, an album by a very, very great rapper. It just came out, and I was incredibly moved by Anime, Trauma, and Divorce by Open Mike Eagle. Uh, there are two, oh. two highlight tracks on there for sure. Sweatpants, Spider-Man, and Everything Ends Last Year. Click. Start studying Kendrick. Start dressing like Hendrix. Old chapter just ended. I'm looking over my spending. Gotta start doing it different. Review what I've written. Click. Stumbling to November knowing goddamn well I can't make nothing close to this tender. Can't fade, can't accelerate, so pitch me into that blender. Regardless where the sun is, I'm my own personal winter. I'm cold. I think I'm cold. I'm just trying to remember. Just trying to remember. And I think that both of those tracks are just like two really great tracks where he talks about his depression and specifically everything ends last year fucks with me because it's about okay it's another one of those examples of i projected onto this song and thought that he was talking about all these plans that he had and all this excitement that he had and all got ruined by covid but actually the song is about 2019 and how he thought he was having a great year and it ended terribly but it still works for what we're going through right now of like yeah, yeah, all yeah. this momentum that like, you know, like I remember in March being like, this is a really fucking good year for me and I'm going to capitalize on this momentum. And it just vanished. And that song is kind of about a very similar thing that he went through in 2019 of having the new Negroes and uh, his marriage falling apart. And it just ends. And then there's a line in there, which again, so crazy that he didn't mean for it to be, about this year but it's it's october and i'm tired it, that's kind of the refrain of the the song and it's like yeah that's how everyone is feeling right now and then sweats uh sweats pants spider-man is a homage to the depressed spider-man in spider-man into the spider-verse which is a character that i relate to heavily that sounds good. I've been meaning to listen to that record, so I want to like just play, listen to those two songs, and then play the whole thing. Like, I'm so excited. Um, okay, Alicia, we turn to you now. I you know. don't have to do two songs. We we like we're not gonna pressure you. No, it's fine. I was thinking about the cinematic masterpiece into the Spider Verse. So like, thank you for that uh, yeah. little plug for that. Thanks I, for making me think of. I know. Thank you for making <laughs> me. Spider. It was so good. One of my favorite movies. And it's a pleasant movie. It's a great movie. It has a great, a great soundtrack time, yeah. too. So yeah, yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it's a fire soundtrack. Um, I feel like if I had to choose, I can't remember the last time I listened, I like went and like listened to a song specifically. I really like, I really like Mitski and I really like her song, Nobody. And like, that's kind of a mood for me right now. Like I've been on and off listening to that for. Oh, wow. Click. My God, I'm so lonely. So I owe. to pick another one i might pick i know you guys have two it's fine. i have to do two uh 
Phoebe Bridgers did a cover of Friday, I'm in Love. Ah, click. Friday I'm in Love is my is like kind of my favorite song of all time. Like it always makes me super happy and I really like nostalgic songs like that. But she does this really like low-key kind of like dreamy cover of it. And it's really good. And we vibing now. Yeah. Uh all right. We did it. Uh thank you so much, Edgar. Uh thank you so much, Alicia. Uh Alicia, anything you'd like to plug? Anything you'd like, you know, to socials or anything like that? Or I I guess I have an Instagram. Follow me at Alicia's Bacon. <laughs> like, yeah, I have nothing has, else to plug. She has fun posts. They're fun posts. Fun and like posts? nice pictures. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. If you yeah. go on now, you'll see a picture of one-year-old Alicia dressed as a joker in her natural habitat. Oh, wow. It's very twisted. <laughs> um, um, so uh, uh, what about your podcast? Like, just uh, one more oh, time. To, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully my podcast will release soon. We're having editing fun. But yeah, it's called Badaptations, and it's going to be on your screens for podcast listening. Yeah. <laughs> Come hear us oh, yeah. talk about Bollywood movies. I can't, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Thank, uh, you. thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Edgar, uh, anything you like to plug? Anything, you know, socials, anything like that? You know, uh, I want to plug you, Andrew, because again, I came on this podcast with violent intentions, which I should not have. <laughs> uh, I came ready to fight if you talked about this album. And again, you didn't say anything incredibly negative about the album. You said something that's true, which is yeah. the lyrics are hard to understand. So I want to plug Andrew, okay? I, I I guessed on a lot of podcasts, and I've never seen a host so nice. <laughs> You're like... I would agree with I that. Mean, you just plugged her po- you were like plug your podcast you reminded her to plug her yeah. podcast you seem yeah. incredibly kind also it's very clear to me that you love wow. music so i already fuck with you heavy so i want to plug andrew fuck culture kings don't listen to that show <laughs> don't listen to the locust only listen to shit that andrew does uh and you know what you're from chicago and i kind of like people from chicago yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been meaning to listen to that. Is the show uh, in case? <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, you could uh, find Edgar at on awful. Don't Graham plug me, Andrew. They, I don't deserve it. <laughs> I don't deserve it. Plug you. Plug the animation and, uh, episode. It was really good. <laughs> plug and, uh, the Edgar Black Love this. episode. It was also really good. <laughs> Yeah, so ah, sweet. that's it's so sweet. Just so they, awesome. they, they, you guys, you guys are so nice. Um, and uh, Edgar Montplacier on Twitter. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, you could uh, find me at Andrew A Lee on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you could follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you could go to our website IBMTLTT.com. Uh, you could um, is there anything else? Oh, follow Ezra at Ezra.Indigo. Uh, that's our usual host. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll close. The, uh, watch Blackish. That's a thing. Like uh, this underground yeah. show. Um, starting, starting this up and coming star, Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. So now we'll uh, close out the episode with a closing sentiment from Edgar. All right. <laughs> All right. Ready? Three, two, one. 
Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for, listening. for listening. Please, please, please do, do not, not fight, fight people. people. Don't, Don't fly to fight people. People either. either. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, everybody. So Have fun. a good day. Click. Yeah. So. Excellent. So good. <laughs>